This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Are you ready to learn, laugh, and maybe even cry a little? Join me, Lucia Belafonte, as we explore how disability can affect your parenting journey. I'll share advice and stories to help you grow in confidence and courage. The Totally Transparent program now welcomes Lucia for a very interesting (laughs) talk. And Lucia, I love this subject because... We get into so many of these discussions about ableism, and that's today where Mm -hmm. you're going with us. And when it comes to parenting, um, can can we start with where you want to go with this? Because this is an interesting thought to develop into a segment. Mm. So I I thought that the concept of ableism and parenting, you know, might I don't know, to me was was new, to be honest with you. And I started thinking about some of the things that we've discussed and some of the issues that I know my students have brought to me in the past. And so I thought, there we go. Why not talk about it? Because we might unintentionally, yeah. right, be perpetuating an ableist attitude at home. Um, in the prior segment, uh, you mentioned that uh, you know, somebody might say, why would you live in the country, right? If yep. it's difficult for you to have accessibility to transportation. And that's an ableist comment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because right. why shouldn't a person have the right to live wherever they want? You bet. You bet. Uh, let's talk about what ableism is. Hmm. So, The definition of ableism, as I found, was it's the discrimination of and the social prejudice against people with disabilities based on the belief that typical abilities are superior. And I thought of it as, um, you know, uh, anything that is disrespectful, dismissive or hurtful towards someone. And that could be a behavior, an attitude, um, even language to me ableism Mm -hmm. is as well i really liked this i found this is not my brilliant thinking but um the line was think of it this way the world wasn't built with people with disabilities in mind Mm -hmm. and because of that the world and the homes that we live in are inherently ableist yep yeah yeah so many things total sense Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. I always I always think about it when it comes to college and university courses, right? How a yes. person with a disability has to learn about the course. Okay, I want to go to this course. I think it's great. This is the direction I want to go in life. Then you have to learn every detail because then you have to teach your teachers, your profs, how to teach you because yes. of your disability. Yeah, and that could be really frustrating. I mean, I oh. know I've gone through that with my students and my own children as well. Absolutely. And, you know, ableism uh, shows itself, I guess, or we can feel mm-hmm. the the effects of it through language, Lucia. This is a never ending conversation about mm-hmm. the transformation of language, the progress, progress of language, the changing mm-hmm. of and it's just never ending. And so I wanted to ask you if we can go through some of the examples of ableist language that we either use today or we know our trigger points because they have been used uh, in the past. Yeah, absolutely. So, for example, if you're um, just having a casual conversation with someone and you don't like the way they're behaving and you say to them, you're acting bipolar, 
that has a really negative connotation. And that's an example of using ableist language, right? Um, you yourself uh, giving an example about yourself or using using this, I'm so OCD, as an adjective. And so sometimes we use language and we really don't think about the implications of it or where it's coming from. And I always think, you know, if it's disrespectful, dismissive or hurtful, it's not language that we should be using. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a lot of this kind of stuff where we're not we're ne not necessarily consciously thinking about the origins, as you said, right. of where this language comes from. But also, you know, sometimes some language is uh, like out there. We know it's socially not acceptable for us to use certain mm -hmm. things as we used mm -hmm. to, right? Like the word handicapped or whatever, yeah. as a as an example. Um, but others we don't often talk about. You know, especially when it comes to cognitive disabilities, we don't often say, you know, this is not acceptable. It's not appropriate anymore. Or, you know, even mm -hmm. think about what this actually means. We don't consciously do it as much as we do with certain words where we say this word has been canceled. Mm -hmm. That's right. Sorry, Kelly, you were saying something? Uh, I was just thinking or the harm we do without meaning to do harm because we yes. think we're being sensitive we think we're being aware you know something like you don't look disabled so many people, oh well thank you you know at one point people thought oh that's the biggest compliment in the world because it was in our head yeah you can constantly pass as able body yeah that oh man thank you very much you know um it, it was up there with oh are you ever a handsome person or that looks great on you that outfit whatever it might be that was kind of that saying, well, thank you very mm. much. You know, I don't look disabled. It's not the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, but it's so much internalized ableism. I forgot you were, as they shut a door in your face or yes. whatever, thinking you were going to catch it as they went through it and see it coming back. There are some of those things that people mean. Or when we joke something off, um, I know what you have in your, yeah. your script here, uh, I'm so OCD. Right. And, yes. you know, to someone who is OCD, I'm certainly sure to hear someone say that mm. isn't funny isn't you know pleasant because of the things they associate because we all associate with with different things and and when it comes to when it comes to so much of that so i i find it tough um but we also know in business mm -hmm. for example mm -hmm. not complying with disability rights refusing to provide reasonable accommodations or buildings that are inaccessible are again up there with your examples of uh, ableism uh, yes. how does it relate to ableism in the home well, and, and so this might be a tough one for, for some, you know, parents to hear. But when we have a child who needs an accommodation or needs accessibility, we don't realize that we are contributing to this attitude of ableism when we are not providing for them what they need. And it, that's not to say that we are intentionally doing something to harm our children. So I want to make that clear. But for example, you know, if we have a child who is blind and who requires Braille, not providing them for with um, Braille on um, cabinets, for example, or Braille on their clothing for clothing labels or sorry, clothing drawers, something like that. To me, you know, I would think of that that is 
perpetuating that attitude of ableism, even respecting, and this was a big one both at home and in the classroom, respecting a child's assistive technology mm. or um, their, uh, you know, not thinking that it's important for a child to have assistive technology. You as the adult making that decision without communicating or asking the child and then respecting the child's or reaction or what the child is saying that they need. That's mm. ableism. And also, you know, we I thought about this long and hard before saying it, but even learning Braille. Um, it's a mode of communication for your child. And I think as a parent, it's important for us to be able to communicate in all ways and as much as possible with our children. So learning Braille is part of that. And feeling that we don't need to learn Braille perhaps is something that we need to question about ourselves and can be part of that idea of ableism. Yeah. I will mm. say this was a, a huge um, part of my own, like, uh, learning curve about the mm -hmm. internalized er ableism that a I myself had, but also just culturally, you know that uh, Kelly, what you said about um, being able to pass as an able-bodied mm -hmm. person, people who can fall into the cracks if you have low vision or partial sight, um, where you take the opportunity to feel able-bodied or feel sighted, and learning Braille was this very uh, hard point for me growing up because. My mother always said, but you can read print and you don't need to learn Braille. And I think that just comes from an ableist place, period, right? And so as I got older and then kind of going through the realizations of like, but I would love to learn Braille. But also, am I thinking of learning Braille as a negative thing? Is it just that I have enough sight that I don't need Braille? Or is there another reason why Braille is such a complicated subject for me? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. There's a lot of deep thinking about this stuff, Lucia. It's not always like, yeah, of course, obviously the disabled No, there's a lot of like coming to terms with what you believe ableism is. Yeah, I know my I parents agree. had trouble with it because they wanted me to keep using my eyes. Yes, in yeah. their minds, mm -hmm. if I didn't use my vision, uh, you mm -hmm. don't you use it, it, you lose it. Mm -hmm. And even though people, staff, teachers could tell them. You know how slow yes. he is at trying to use his eyes? Do you know yeah. that as he moves on, how hard that'll be? He'll have headaches, he'll get sick, not to mention he'll never keep up. He'll never learn. Yeah. And and so I think as a parent, you know, you, you've both touched on this is, but I think if we ask ourselves why, right? And then we have to be brutally honest. So yep. why am I doing this? Why am I saying this way? Why am I reacting this way? Why do I feel this way? Is it truly for the benefit of my child? And in particular, if we have a child that's old enough to vocalize what their needs are, and then we are shutting down those needs, we're being dismissive of what our children are verbally saying to us, I think we really need to question that and ourselves. Because it, it, you know, I think of it this way as an adult, if someone comes to me and says to me, oh, well, um, you you don't need that. It's better for you to do this. And, mm. you know, I've mm -hmm. determined for myself what's best for me. That's and so right. why do we always feel that we know what's best for our yep. children in yep. particular when they have the wherewithal to verbalize and express what they yep. themselves need? 
Oh, like, I, I so, think it's so true that uh, parents mm-hmm. may not actually understand the kind of influence they are on their mm-hmm. their child. And and that comes with the internalized ableism that you're now putting onto your kid, right? Like, it's not yeah. intentional, as you said, not always intentional. Sometimes it can be, yeah. but definitely there's a lot to it. Uh, let's talk about the attitude towards mobility devices and how mm-hmm. that factors into all this, because another huge conversation. <laughs> It is. I mean, we could talk about each one of these things separately for hours, right? So for example, you know, mobility devices, that was a tough one, both at school and at home, because mobility devices for students were not always respected. And that disrespect shows itself in a number of ways, Um, not allowing for assistive or mobility devices to be used, Um, using, for example, a wheelchair as a footrest, or leaning up against someone's wheelchair. You you know, we need to think of a person's mobility device as an extension of that person. We wouldn't go around as adults and lean against another adult because we felt tired or we thought it was comfortable. So why do we think it's it's acceptable to lean up against a mobility device? Um, Feeling that it's not important for a child to have or use assistive technology. We touched about on this a little bit, but that again goes forward to that attitude of ableism. And another one that's really important for parents at home is, you know, teaching or not allowing other siblings to play with, and I'm going to put play in quotes, play Mm -hmm. with a child's mobility devices or assistive technology. You know, understanding that this is something that is to be respected and belongs to a particular individual and is theirs. And all of us within the family needs to need to respect that. Especially when it comes to technology, these canes, these these wheelchairs, yes. equipment that is vital. Lucia, yeah. absolutely fantastic mm. and open conversation here. As you guys said, we could go on for ages about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of it is that whole, why would you feel that way? Ask yourself that, especially as a parent. Why don't you want your child to learn this? Or yeah. how come you feel this way? And we have it in so many other parts of our lives. Thank you, uh, Lucia. Yeah. We'll talk to you next month. Talk next month. We'll catch up with Lucia Belafonte on the first Tuesday of the month right here on the pro. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.